This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Two young national football teams almost 12,000 kilometres apart won silverware on Sunday, as did an ageing gladiator in France who shows no signs of slowing down. I'm Straits Times sports correspondent Azali Abdulaziz and this week on A Game of Two Halves, I am joined by ST assistant sports editor Rohit Brishnath and fellow sports correspondent David Lee and we talk about Portugal and the Nations League, the Singapore Under-22s and the Malayan Cup and Rafa Nadal and the Roland Garros Trophy which I have just learned is called the Coupe de Mousquetaire. Do you know that, Rohit? Yep, it's named after the the former four great French players. Yeah, oh. And, um, yeah. Trying to remember if I can Henry Cochet, Jacques Brugnon, Jean Barotra, and the fourth one is escaping me at the moment. But they won a lot of French titles you and they're great that, players. That's it. I was going to ask if both of you are ready, but I guess you know Rohit uh, at least one of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rohit, Rohit clearly is lah. Okay, so as mentioned earlier. Portugal won the Nations League after beating Netherlands 1-0 in Porto. A lot of people were talking about how Cristiano Ronaldo, even at 34, has managed to inspire this team to another superb achievement on the international stage. And as usual, there are jibes about Messi not being able to do the same with Argentina, etc. But what caught my eye was the fact that out of the 20 outfield players Portugal had in their squad, half are 25 or younger. So it's a very different squad from the one that won Euro 2016. Half of that team was 29 or older. And it got me thinking, you know, do you think this is a case of lucky golden generation or something else? I think it's amazing how Portugal just keeps managing to develop generation after generation of good players. When you talk about Cristiano Ronaldo inspiring the team, I think he probably inspired younger players to be better but out there on the final itself, I think the main player for me has to be Bernardo Silva. He was the main architect of the final victory. Yeah, he's had a sterling season at Man City and he's been Portugal's Kevin De Bruyne. But it's also amazing that Portugal have players like Ruben Diaz, who's 22, who's marshalling the defence. Joao Felix, you know, he's been linked with a million clubs in the summer, who's partnering Cristiano Ronaldo up and front. And Guedes as well. Yeah, Valencia. and the match winner Guedes as well, you know, he's been on loan at Valencia this season. So, you know, it's quite amazing that they're churning out this amount of talent only in the last three, four years, which is quite amazing, right? Yeah, I have to uh, clarify myself. I'm not saying Ronaldo is not contributing on the pitch. He, of course, scored a hat-trick against Switzerland in the semi-finals and it'd be foolish for anybody to rule him out. But yes, the golden generation, the new golden generation is amazing, but they do have some areas where they seem to be a bit lightweight in, uh, especially in defence, where Pepe continues to play. I don't know for what reason, you know, a 34, 35-year-old continues to be a key player in defence, but they look very much settled. They have a coach who has been there for some time and the players look like they're very comfortable with his tactics, philosophy and approach. Now on Sunday night also in Singapore the Singapore Under-22s beat their Thai counterparts 1-0 to win the Malayan Cup. This is the first time they have won the competition outright and the second time since they were named joint winners with Yugoslavia's Olympic team way back in 1985. I wasn't even born yet. Yeah, I was one. Yeah, I and mean, Rohit was probably 40. I was in my 20s, man. It was a sprightly 20-something. <laughs> I was a 22-year-old. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but Dave, you covered the game. What was it like? I, mean, w- w- I was pleasantly surprised. You know, everybody talks about the tie with some awe. Everybody knows that they are cut above in this region. But like I wrote, you know, it's never a given that weaker teams will always lose. They have to find a way to outwit their opponents. They have to be hungrier. Or, you know, they have to be well-drilled in tactical moves or set pieces to come up with a winner. And that is exactly what Fundy's boys or men did on the night. I think it's interesting that if you look online, Singapore fans really seem inspired by the victory, even if you weren't playing, you know, champagne football, free-flowing football. Maybe it's because, like you mentioned, it's a team. We beat a team known as Powerhouse 
versus Thailand or Rohit do you think it's the fact that it's youth so there's hope for the future I think everybody associated with the sport always needs winning you have to have once in a while you need winning because what it does for fans and what it does for players you need fans to keep coming to watch a team you got to win you need confidence to play you need a win so silverware whatever the value of that silverware doesn't matter who the teams are and these were better teams than Singapore On paper, but whatever yeah whatever it is you need to win you need to believe you can win whatever it is you know it can be a three person tournament three team tournament yeah. doesn't matter you just need to get that feeling it's very very important to pose with a cup to feel that okay man we are on our way to something but it's also the manner of how they did it yeah? i felt players were really up for it they threw their bodies in the way of the thighs so they showed that they wanted it so bad and this has an impact on the fans as well who really got behind I, I think that's really what fans want to see because I think when you've got a small pool of talent like Singapore has so obviously sometimes you don't always have the best technical players or you don't have the best physically built the, the, players the, the, let's the, say the, the whatever the guys called upon yeah. 1.98 meter Italian yeah. defender but, the, but there are certain things which are within your control right. and fans can see that one is your fitness Fans can see, look, is this guy running or not running? Is he, you know, going back and forth or not? And the other is, as David mentioned, is desire. Desire is the most important thing. I mean, we saw that with Rafa in the French Open. You see that with anybody who's great. Desire is a beautiful thing. It brings people to come and watch you. It's an interesting thing you pointed out, winning as a culture, I guess. Because I was at the press conference for the senior team's game against Myanmar earlier today. And a new coach, Tatsuma Yoshida, uh, he brought up the under-22s win. And he was saying that the under-22s, the under-17s, 18s, 15s and the a team we are all one and it's great to see effectively the B team of the national team winning and he said he hoped the A team could also keep their own winning momentum going I mean to me I'm happy that for the first time in quite a while we have an under 22 team where there are a number of players who would not look out of place in the senior team but that's team, right? really what you want so I mean you want the guys in the A team getting a little nervous from mm. guys in the B team yes. because the guys in the B team pushing the guys in the A team got to play a little bit harder hey I better be fitter you know you don't want anybody ever taking a place for granted I think the best teams are born out of that yeah you don't want passengers in your team absolutely not so this is a good thing I think what we can agree on is it definitely bodes well for the immediate future of Singapore football at least for maybe the year or two as we prepare for the next Suzuki Cup tournament at the end of next year if you are enjoying this episode of A Game of Two Halves so far do subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app or on Google Podcasts or even on Spotify do like it and give us a rating back to our show now we move on to the second half now, we mentioned about how 34-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo can't stop winning in football. And in another spot, another 30-something Iberian athlete has been rewriting history as well. Rafa Nadal, 12 Roland Garros titles. You know, just how incredible is that, Rohit? Yeah, please don't put Ronaldo in the same sentence <laughs> as Nadal, okay? Hey, please, <laughs> no, sorry. sorry. Ronaldo, he doesn't have a World Cup or whatever. He's a great player, but he's not Nadal. So, this is going to start off a great conversation. Yeah, I th- I think that the, we can argue I about agree, this forever. In, in that sense, I agree. The feats they both have done, obviously amazing feats but Nadal's 12 Grand Slam titles is... Nadal would be one of the top 3 greatest footballers of all time would Ronaldo be that? I would say top 5 lah. yeah so I, it's not that far but the off, first 4 places are taken by Messi right? So, <laughs> who has also never won a World <laughs> okay. Cup so yeah, yeah that's yeah, <laughs> final but no look 12 French Open titles I mean it's ridiculous I can't understand it when I started watching tennis you guys keep telling me how old I am when I was watching Boris Becker and Stefan Edberg they won 6 Grand Slam titles each 
each, right? All over. And I thought that's amazing. Yeah. So together they had 12. This guy's won 12 French Opens. It's absurd. I look at it another way. The most Australian Opens ever won is seven by Novak Djokovic. Yep. The most Wimbledon's ever won is eight by Federer. You put them together, they're 15, right? And this guy has 12. So it's part of what I am actually writing on uh, today is like, I have this group of things in my head. I think all people have, you know, things that, will I ever see something like this again? So I don't think I'll ever see this again. Yeah. Can it happen again? Yes. Maybe yeah. in the next 100 years, it could happen again. In the next 25 years of my life, no chance. We've discussed this before in a previous episode of this podcast, but we are blessed in certain spots to have individuals who have achieved achievements that are so... You know, beyond belief that we, we sort of can't really take stock now because they're still active. Like, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi and how so far ahead of everyone they are. And, you know, how Federer and Nadal are so far ahead of everyone. Like you mentioned, he's got 12 French Open wins. Federer, you said eight Wimbledon titles. Novak has got seven Aussie Open titles. And three Americans, Richard Sears, William Larnett and Big Bill Tilden have won seven US Open titles. It, it's just it's so far ahead of everyone that it's, you know, it beggars belief at times. But there are so many things. I mean, David, I'd be interested, you know, like what are the things that you think? I was very lucky in Beijing um, in 2008 to see Michael Phelps' eight gold medals, you know, which involved a certain amount of fortune because he won one race by, I think, 0.01 of a second. And another one, his race, his goggles got filled with water and he still won eight. So I'm thinking, will I ever see eight again in my lifetime? Hmm, probably, probably, maybe not. not. Yeah. So there are these fantastic things. Michael Phelps uh, also won, you know, four 200 meter individual medley races and four successive Olympics. Will mm-hmm. I see that? That is possible. possible. Yeah. That is yeah. possible. Yeah. But there was a great story about Jesse Owens, the runner in the time of the 1930s, who set, I think, five, he set five world records and equaled a six world record in 45 minutes. In 45 oh. minutes, right, at a college track meet. So that sort of thing, will it ever happen again? No, it won't I, happen I wonder again. what he was in a rush for. Uh, but you were talking about use Fontaine at the World Cup, yeah, right? In terms of football, the only outstanding achievement, the first that comes to mind where I don't think will be repeated is the fact that Jules Fontaine scored 13 goals in six games at the World Cup. And even that took place before, you know, a few decades before I was born. So in my lifetime, I don't think I've I, seen... I beg to differ because, you know, with the new format, 48 nations and some mediocre <laughs> teams yeah. coming in yeah that's you possible know, if, if teams yeah. get, get whooped like like yeah, how yeah. Norway whacked Honduras at the under 20 World Cup one fella scored triple hat-trick yeah, you know, nine, nine goals, right? goals yeah. then you just fall away but what's interesting about Nadal is because when I was doing some reading today about you know these incredible feats in sport you know a lot of them happen maybe a little earlier in time in today's world where everything is so competitive mm. you know and your fields are so thick with talent Correct. and the sport is so physical clay court tennis is incredibly physical and therefore for this 33-year-old guy to be winning his uh, 12th French Open at this age to have that physicality I mean that's astonishing Okay and lastly do you think it's a bit unfair on Nadal that he'll be remembered by many I mean at least by me as the next best player of his generation after Federer I mean after all he holds the record with most consecutive years with at least one Grand Slam it's currently at 10 years Roger is on 8 by the way or is that just me not understanding tennis all that well other than it's played with a ball and a stick I I think if Nadal goes on to win more Grand Slams than Federer then it's arguable no, whether Federer is indeed the greatest and I think it's good to have that debate I think it's good that you know people have different views on who the greatest is I don't think there can ever be an outright winner of this debate it's like Pele versus Maradona Ronaldo against Messi and now Nadal against Federer 
Yeah, I mean, I think that there is no, there'll never be an outright winner of this debate, and that's the beauty of sport. I think, of course, he's on 18 Grand Slam titles, Federer's on 20. He could very well overtake Federer, and that's possible. And therefore, you know, in many people's eyes, therefore, he's a greater player. But the beauty of sport, I think, is there's something about a player which attracts us in a particular way that he plays. Is That's why, you know, you have this Messi and Ronaldo divide. But what I like about Federer and Nadal is that they are incredibly respectful of each other. Mm. And I think that's the way fans should always be yeah. as well. And on that note, there's a final whistle bringing to close a game of two halves. Thanks Rohit and Dave. Thanks, hey, thanks buddy. If you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, subscribe to a game of two halves on Apple's podcast app or on Google Podcasts or even on Spotify. Do like it or give us a rating. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcasts at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.